Chaos at the border. Elected officials who don't know where they are, why they're there, or what their job is. Officials who laugh like hyenas when questioned. And when they answer, it reads like science fiction. How do you navigate this sewage? With the ship of truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. And your captain today is Dan Newman. Well, excuse me, Pete. You know, I just noticed, I have, uh, I've heard that intro by Pete Moss before, but I never really referred to or thought of all the chaos we're undergoing at the hands of our government being called sewage, but I think that's pretty appropriate right now. How you doing today? Welcome to TNN Live. Glad you chose to join us on Thursday. First of all, if you want to join the show, we'd love to have you. Anything we talk about, anything you may have a question about, And of course, if you have something you want to ask or suggest, feel free to do so. We'll even pay for the phone call, toll-free, 1-866-37-TRUTH. In all numbers, that's 1-866-378-7884. So here we are, folks. We're less than 10 days away from the end of the month of July. Can you believe this year is raced by? like it has. I mean, it seems like when we came to the end of the pandemic that um, the clock started ticking faster and we turned the calendar pages much quicker than we did last year. When we were locked down, it seemed like time just stopped. And when it began again, it just began to crawl. Last year lasted, it seemed like, for an eternity. But now it's hard to keep up. And there's a lot of moving parts on every stage. Yours, I'm sure, Mine, I know, our government, absolutely, and internationally, there's just so many moving parts that because of that, there's so much confusion because we really don't get the opportunity to get our minds around everything that's important to us. And that's unfortunate because we got to have facts with which to make good decisions, right? And pretty much, I don't know about you, but in my lifetime, when I've hurried to make a choice or make a decision, it usually doesn't work out so well for me. It's only when I have time and I have a desire to research every side of an issue and then make an objective decision that uh, more than half the time they turn out to be good choices. And we try to help you do that here. For those of you who are new, and folks, we look at the numbers every day. Our numbers have just climbed and climbed and climbed over the last few months. It's because more people are getting hungry for more truth and the sources to which they turned previously for facts about pretty much everything, they find out they're getting partisan political spin. We don't do that here. We're unabashedly conservatives politically, not a member of the Republican Party, of course not a member of the Democrat Party, registered to vote in the state of Louisiana, and uh, I'm registered as an independent. I will, in clarity and for truth's purpose, I will tell you, I lean a little farther to the right politically than does most of our Republican policies. But I'm not a libertarian. I'm some, I'm just kind of all over the uh, the spectrum of political purposes, and I'm nonpartisan. I just feel like sometimes, to be honest with you, and I may be ashamed or should be ashamed to admit this, sometimes some good ideas come from the left. Maybe not the far left, 
but from the left, especially when it comes to taking care of our brothers and sisters. You know, life is not just about politics. That may come as a surprise to some of you. And those of you who know me, it may come as a shock to you to hear me say that. But politics is a critical piece of us preserving what we have as a nation. And it was an amazing establishment that our forefathers put together in the 1700s. It was, it, it was amazing. There's never been a repeat of it anywhere on earth. And even before the United States was established, there was nothing like it ever in human history anywhere else on earth. How could they come up with such a concept that made this the greatest country in the history of the world? Could men actually do that? Well, let me tell you what, men did it. Men and women joined together to create this representative republic that we're watching be purposely an attempted tear apart, a rip apart of the heart of this representative republic in which we were born, most of us were born into. And that's sad, but in the midst of all of that, we must understand and we must accept that people have the right to have differing opinions. And we always tell you here at Truth News Network two things. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't necessarily make it wrong. And the opposite's true as well. Just because you think something's right doesn't necessarily mean it's right. So you can be right sometimes and wrong sometimes, and that's okay. Opinions are different from facts. And I think that's where this political environment in which we find ourselves today, they just miss it. Many just miss it. Opinions are not necessarily on their face facts. They may seem good because of who tells them. And that's a scary situation. We've got to find out, folks, that no longer can we just benignly accept anything and everything we hear from our leaders at every level of government in the nation as being factual and as being what it's represented to be. Oftentimes, there is a political perspective that is being pushed by the so-called facts that are being shoved down our throats. We have to have the discernment, the ability to pick and choose and find ways to reconcile our personal differences with the differences of the policies of those who we represent or we send to represent us in Washington, D.C. And the other piece of it, folks, is that the basic fundamentals, the constitutional framework, the fundamentals there, are not adhered to. There's no way we can be a nation just like we were established. And there are a lot of people that don't want that anyway. They want us to move away from that. There are still people in this nation, and far more than I would like for there to be, that feel like this nation in its establishment and ever since has been evil. That the people that founded our nation had evil intentions. And they didn't do what they said they were doing while they were doing it. It was cloaked in evil and surreptitious ideas of controlling people. For those of you who are baby boomers, I was born in 1953. Our early, late childhood, young teen years 
we lived through some pretty egregious tough times where we began to see and hear a bunch of lies coming from our leaders. We had Vietnam in the 60s and early 70s. Nobody to this day can tell me exactly why we got into that war, other than a lot of people made a lot of money off our federal government and at the expense of thousands of Americans' lives over there in those rice paddies and jungle, and nobody that fought in that war ever had a clue what they were there for, other than that they were called on by their government to come serve in the military. That was a horrible thing for people to live through. And those of us back here, I wasn't old enough at the time, we were back here, we couldn't understand what was going on over there. We knew we were in a war on the other side of the world. Meantime, back here, there were people in the streets that were protesting the war. And horribly for those men and women that got drafted into the military, that were over there fighting, not because they chose to, but because they were called on to, many of those people were being hated by the people here domestically that were protesting and even rioting against the war, but against also those people that were there. And I think it was back in the late 60s, early 70s, in which our nation really walked headlong into a darkness that we hadn't seen before. Maybe it was there, but we just never saw it. And we've been struggling ever since to get out of the darkness and get back to the light, get back to the hope, and the uh, desire to find the positive things on which to build, while we're building, continue to put to the side the things in our society that aren't good for our society, that aren't legal. And in the middle of all of this, folks, our leaders in many cases, they just dropped the rule of law. I mean, they just turned their backs on it. And their justification for doing so, they would tell us, This is unfair. There is no way this could possibly be the fair thing to do to people. These laws are too hard. They're too difficult. Our current president bragged for decades that he crafted the 1992 crime bill. Joe Biden was part of that as a senator. And that bill on its face, folks, was supposed to keep criminals that did really bad things to other people, keep them locked up. And it was primarily built around illegal drugs, which were rampant in the 60s and 70s and the 80s. And as a matter of fact, they continue to be today. But in the middle of all of that, it caught up one major segment of our society, African Americans. Those were the people that were caught up more in drug illegalities than any other race or ethnicity or place of origin. And it's unfortunate that that was the case because it seemed on its face to be a racist perspective. And of course, then you have the back and forth. Democrats, they promote racism. No, 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 no. Republicans promote it. Republicans want to kill the right to vote. It's just one, you're at fault and I'm not at fault after another, over and over and over again. Meanwhile, we Americans are stuck right in the middle, and these are the 535 people in Congress that we elected to represent us, plus a bunch of bureaucrats in D.C. that are professional politicians, and they're actually manipulating the framework 
of the government that was built in the 1700s that was built and principally established and for a long time operated of the people, by the people, and for the people. Not so much today. So what are we going to get into today? You just heard my little diatribe. You got that for free. First of all, I want to point you to the uh, front page story today of Truth News Network. We hear a lot about what's happening 90 miles to the south of Miami, Florida, in Cuba. And there's a lot of misinformation floating around. Go figure, misinformation in American politics. How could there be any of that, right? So we have people on the far left politically that are promoting, they call it socialism, but in essence, it is totalitarianism, communism. Fidel Castro brought communism 60 years ago to Cuba. No question about it. They made no bones about it. They haven't tried to hide it. It's politicians from other nations who like socialism, who like the concept of everybody's equal. And they want that to be forced on the United States. And of course, now when this bomb exploded in Cuba, beginning a few weeks ago, when the Cuban people finally had enough of the totalitarian government that's controlling every phase of their life, when they can't get toilet toilet paper, and when they get their food allotment and it's only five eggs per person for a week, they said enough's enough. They want out. And so it's kind of a conundrum when we look at the way our political madness has erupted over the last few years in the streets of the nation and people anti-flag, anti-patriotism, anti-government, anti-cops, just anti-everything. When we see and hear that in our faces all day, every day for a couple of years, and then we see on the streets of Cuba, which is a communist nation, And the protesters there are carrying American flags. And they're doing so because they want the liberty and the freedom that this country provided to us and to our forefathers for generations, 260 years. That's what they want. And by the way, that's what the 200,000 or so illegals that were accosted when they were coming across our border last month That's what they want. We've had at least a million of those folks come to our southern border to come here. And why do they all want to come here? Why are those Cuban people in the streets protesting carrying American flags? It's not because they love us. It's because they love the idea of the United States of America. We're not just a country, folks. We're an idea. We're in the minds of millions of people around the world, a utopian society in which they all would like to live. Liberty and justice for all, equality, guaranteed by our government and our founding documents. Nobody, no country on earth has a constitution like the United States of America has. And yet today we have a generation, sadly, people in my generation let this happened. We didn't even know it was going on. Why? Because we got too busy. We got caught up in our lives. We got caught up in the American dream of accumulation and get and hoard, make more money, 
get bigger houses, better cars, yada, 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 on and on and on. We got caught up in that. Meanwhile, one full generation, and right now part of another one, have been indoctrinated in our public school systems by the answer for equality, and they don't call it equality anymore, they call it equity. There's a big difference between the two. The U.S. Constitution guarantees equality, which doesn't mean the government guarantees us equal everything. It means equal right to pursue our happiness. Every person has the same right, not a guarantee to achieve it, but the same right to pursue the dreams and try as hard as we want to to build something of our lives. It gives us the right to entrepreneurship, where we go out and we've got a dream. We find a way to begin something, to start something, to give birth to something. And then oftentimes those things don't succeed, but the people who tried to do it had the equal opportunity to do that as every other American. Again, it's not guarantee of success but it's the guarantee of opportunity to try to succeed. Now, equity is a different thing. This far left in our American political system, many of them are pushing for equity, which is different from equality, and they conflate the two purposely. They want everybody to think they're one and the same. Equity allows people to put their thumbs on the scales and make differences that they think make somebody equal. And of course, they also think the world, as far as goodness, is what's called a zero-sum gain, which means there's only one big bucket of fairness and equality and equity to go around for everybody on earth. And the only way to get more, to get equity or to get equality, either one, is to take it from somebody else. That is where you take the term equality out of that bucket because equality is absolute. You can't manipulate it, but equity, you can. And that's what this group is calling for the power and the authority to do in every case. It's almost like the Robin Hood theory. Take from the rich and give to the poor. Socialism, what's the old Marxist thing? To those who don't, have from those who do. In other words, take from the rich and give it to the poor, and it's not equal. It'll never be equal. There's no socialist regime, no, no social in society, no socialist government that's ever been established in the America in the nation that has survived because it just doesn't work. Somebody has always got to be at the top of the heap. And those are the people in every socialist society in history. Those are the people that do really, really well. They control everything. There's always going to be somebody in control. This idea, this philosophy, the United States of America, comes closer than any other to give people equal everything, opportunity, not equity but opportunity to achieve the exact same way that everybody else does. Now, is it a perfect scenario? No, it never, nothing. Nothing when it involves a bunch of people is ever perfect. 
But what this system is, it's always existed as, and it still does today, regardless of what the left say. It includes the ability to find the boo-boos, the mistakes, whether they're purposeful or accidental, and correct the wrongs. In fact, we're encouraged to do that, and we always have. If you're the melting pot of the world, which means anybody from any race, any nation of origin, any ethnicity, any religious perspective, can come here, and at the same time as everybody else that's already here, you have the right to pursue your dreams just like everybody else that was born here or come here later, you have the same right to go after that that dream. Everybody has it. And if you're that, you're going to have differences. You're going to have people that don't like things. But what this nation's always been successful doing is finding consensus with which we can gather and support, even with our differences. In business, I've owned a company for 28 years, almost 29 years. In fact, it was 29 years in May this year. I just thought about that. Um, The one big thing that I made clear from the beginning when we hired a law firm to write our um, employee handbook, company handbook, and it went from top to bottom about every kind of issue. I let the law firm write it all, except one section. I kept that. I wrote it myself. And it was on conflict resolution. And basically, I'll just give you a quick summary of what it was, and it applies to what we're talking about right now. People are going to have differences. And when you have 100 or so people in a big office building and people are interacting with each other all the time, you're going to have conflict. There's no question. It's going to happen. So in this world today, we are being taught, when you have differences with someone, Put on the gloves and go after each other. In reality, in life, that never works. It never works. And so what we must do, what we are instructed to do, what our nation's modeling through the years has taught us to do is resolve conflict. How do you do that? Well, in our company, here's how we do it. When two employees have differences with each other, whatever they are, they're not to take those differences to everybody else in the company. They are required to get in an office, close the door one-on-one, the two of them, and to discuss the problem or problems between them and find resolution. Even if it is, we're going to agree to disagree, but we're going to get along. We're going to work through it. Every day, we're going to work through it. If that doesn't work, if they can't do that, they then are required to go get a supervisor, a direct supervisor, bring the supervisor into the room with the other two, and the three of them try to reach consensus to work through whatever the issue or issues are. If that doesn't work, the supervisor goes and gets a member of senior management, and that person comes into the room, and they try to reach consensus together, even if it, again, it's to agree to disagree. And finally, If it doesn't work with senior management, I get in the picture. That's happened one time in 29 years. One time I was drawn into a conflict resolution that could not be resolved. And I resolved it. And the resolution was both people left the company. 
We don't do that as Americans. And we've got a whole generation that are already in part control of our government and another group of Americans right behind them that in a few years will take a bigger piece of control of our governor government. And it's scary to think that that generation feels it's okay to carry those conflicts and just put them deep in your heart and stir them every day and keep the conflict broiling instead of getting through them, finding resolution and finding and doing whatever it takes for the common good. It's sad to say it, folks, but we're in that environment now, and every day we see examples of that same thing happening again and again and again. And I must be honest with you. We have a big gap in leadership in our nation right now. This administration, it's like none that I've ever seen in my lifetime. And it begins with the abandonment of the rule of law. If you don't have laws in a nation, you can't have a nation because it will implode. And history has shown us that again and again and again. There are great countries throughout history that just lost it because laws just disappeared. Anybody could do anything. And when that happens, people do that. Human nature takes over. Selfishness. Self-actualization, in other words, getting everything I can for me, doing the best that I can for me, forget about everybody else, even if it means taking things from other people. Our government is turning its back every day on the rule of law, one of the corners and one of the pillars of the foundation of our nation, the rule of law, equal justice under the law. So what are you talking about? How's that happening? Point to the southern border. We had Congressman Mike Johnson on this show last Friday. He spent 15 minutes breaking it down. I asked him to come on the show for that one specific topic. He's here a lot, and he's a constitutional attorney. My question, if you weren't here, you can catch it on our website, the replay. But my question to him was, how can we do that? What justification can anyone in the Biden administration from top to bottom? They all put their hands on a Bible, raised the other hand in the air, and swore an oath to the rule of law, defend, protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, which is the framework of the rule of law. They all swore an oath, and yet we watched the laws that many of them were part of putting together when they served in the United States Congress. They just thumbed their noses at it. How can we justify letting 200,000 people last month come across our border illegally? And it's not just, they're not just sneaking in. This administration is just waving at them as they come across the Rio Grande Valley River, the Rio Grande River. They wave at them and invite them on in. There, There is no enforcement of the law. And the administration, the political piece of our government, is making it happen by handcuffing those people who signed on as careers to protect our southern border and enforce laws there. It's getting worse and worse. That's just one example. We're not going to go. We're about to finish this. I just wanted to point this out. We are, as a nation, going somewhere. We are. 
This nation has always, since its foundation, it's always been going somewhere. Normally, it's with the consensus in our government that rolls right down into the population. But today, not so much. We're fragmented. Leadership is void. And we're going to get into a few specifics here in a few moments. You're going to hear from the president a couple of times about a couple of issues. He did a CNN town hall last night. And one of our favorites, Don Lemon, was the moderator. And uh, as is applicable now and has been in our media for, gosh, a number of years, probably all the way back to the middle part of the previous decade, um, always throws the political party that's in power softball questions and always throws the minority the hardball questions. In this case, CNN and Joe Biden, Don Lemon, there were just a lot of softballs that were thrown there. But the bottom line is leadership is vapid. It's gone. We don't have that. What we have is catering to the specifics of the partisan hacks out there in the nation. And it's not just a Democrat Party thing, folks. Republicans do the same thing. It's almost like, and we use this phrase over and over again, it's quid pro quo. Hey, I'll support your philosophy. I'll support your company. I'll give you opportunities as your company. Make opportunities come to you if you'll give me the power, elect me, uh, support me. Support me with campaign dollars. Quid pro quo. And we're seeing a lot of that play out. This president, almost everything he stood for in his 30-plus years in the United States Senate, almost every principle fundamental he stood for, he's done a 180 degree. And Joe Biden's not the first person to be that way. Barack and Michelle Obama, they were for marriage, one man, one woman. At one point, they were anti-abortion, pro-life. They flipped. Bill and Hillary Clinton, the same thing. George W. Bush, he was straight down the line, hardcore conservative. Since he's left office, he's moved dramatically to the left. And as he, in the last year, has come out and got more vocal in the political environment, we find out that he is uh, he's probably more aligned with what we would call in the past a moderate Democrat. Politics changes people. And it's sad because principles are supposed to be eternal. That's not saying that people can't change their principles, but people get some framework in their lives. We do emotionally. We do financially. We do socially. And then we build on those things, and we live our lives within those boundaries that we create for ourselves. But those boundaries are being erased every day. Sometimes voluntarily and sometimes they're not. Sometimes people are forcing those things. So here we are, close to the end of the month of July, 2021. Six months and a few days into this president's job at the top of the heap here. And you're going to hear some things today that are just 180 degrees from the truth. And because they're being spoken by the President of the United States, we're just supposed to automatically take it and swallow it. Um, That old thing out of the movie Ten Commandments when Pharaoh 
when he kept talking about an edict that he would put out that included something for the Israeli people that were in bondage then, he would always finish it by saying, so it is written, so let it be done. That's kind of where we are under President Biden. When he says it, matters little to the people that are listening, matters little at all to the media outlets that give him the voice to spread these things around the world, and they never call him into question for anything he says. And so why is all of this? It's just a big piece of cloth that's woven together. And the thread of it all, folks, is quid pro quo. Give me something, mister, and I'll give you something too. First things first, this morning, report comes out from the Labor Department. Jobless claims unexpectedly jumped 51,000 to 419,000 last month. That's a big deal. Economists had forecast 350,000 new claims, which would have been a decline of 10,000 from the previous week's initial estimate of 360,000. And so that number went up to 368,000. So what does this all mean? Well, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. it's, It's just part of the landscape of economy here in the United States. And we could sit here and pick it apart and, well, this is happening and that is happening. And this is why, and this is what we've got to watch out for. And don't believe what they say because they're going to lie. We could go through that. We're not going to do that. We just give you the numbers, and we trust you. You can look. When you ask questions, you can look for yourself. You can dig for yourself and find the reason. So if, if the economy is something that concerns you, and it should every American, I encourage you, get on the Internet. Do some searches and find out what is involved in this jobless claim unexpected jump up to almost half a million people in a week. That's kind of scary to me, what's really going on. That's just one thing. Um, let's, talk about, let's talk about this southern border, border thing just for a minute. We're not going to dig into it or waste a lot of time. But you know that for years, Border Patrol, ICE, they were in the country. Border Patrol was at the southern border. ICE was pretty much doing everything that the Border Patrol were doing, but in the interior of the country. And what was that? That was making sure that people that were here illegally, when they were discovered and when they were found, they would be held accountable according to U.S. immigration law. Sometimes and often that meant deportation. And sadly, typically the way these people were identified was after they committed crimes while here in the United States. So typically what happened, the way it it would play out is if they committed crimes here, they would serve time, whatever that penalty was for the crimes they did. And as soon as they finished serving that time, ICE would deport them back to their nation of origin. Well... Now, believe it or not, from Washington, D.C., from the Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, the call has gone out, and many of those that were deported who are now getting special invites to come back to the United States from the Biden administration, they are so poor when they get here, when they come back, 
They've got to have government aid for housing and for health care. And the Department of Homeland Security is actually telling us this. When appropriate, the contractor who is the DHS, the organization that's making these things happen, the people coming back in, the contractor shall collaborate with other providers, other contractors, other stakeholders to help ensure a wraparound approach to services for these immigrants. Services include, but are not limited to, housing, primary health care, nutrition assistance, legal assistance, immigration, and travel processes. So the housing aid is now being offered to lawfully deported migrants who are being invited to come back by Joe Biden's pro-migration deputies, headed by Secretary Mayorkas. Leftists argue that the aid is deserved, they say, because the migrants were, listen to this one, they were unfairly separated from their children during the deportation process. Now let me put that part in context. What happens here every day across America? Do you know how many people are arrested? Local, state, and federal level every day? Thousands. Thousands. And most all of these people who are arrested are arrested because they broke the law. Now when someone is arrested, they very seldom live in a vacuum. It's mostly people that have families or are part of a family. A lot of them are dads and moms who committed crimes and are being called to account for the crimes they committed. And in every one of those cases, when that happens, they're being separated from their kids. And that's a horrible reality, but it happens every day, and that's part, unfortunately, but it's the way it works, part of the rule of law. So this administration, Homeland Security specifically, They made a determination and have given a special class endowed with special favors at the taxpayer's expense and letting people that broke laws when they came here, then when they got here, they broke laws here, got caught for it, were forced to pay a price for doing that, and then deported according to U.S. immigration law and now are invited to come back, but they're so poor when they get here, we have to pay for their livelihood. We have to give them a job, basically, without working. Does that sound realistic to you? Does that sound like it's something that this nation is all about? And I'm not going to answer every question for you. I'm going to ask questions and ask you to think it through yourself. Wow. 866-37-TRUTH, 866-378-7884. We got a lot of other things to unpack, and we're just getting started here. I mean, we got lots of time left, folks, and lots to talk about, lots of important things. We don't ever minimize anything that happens. You know what? When we try to pick and choose the information that we talk about here, the, the, the people we let you hear, the people we bring on the show, and the audio bites that you hear from our government authorities. We do it because we think you deserve to hear firsthand what's going on so you can draw your own conclusions rather than us sit here and say, hey, this is what the truth is. 
And you got to believe this. Why? Because we say it's fact. That's not the way it works. That's not what we do here. And we've got some more examples right after this. The show is better when you're a part of it. So be a part of it. Join Dan at 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN Live. The Truth News Network. Or online all the time at truthnewsnet.org. Beat Yourself Up Hotline. Is this the Beat Yourself Up Hotline? Yes, sir. If you'd like to beat yourself up, this is the place to do it. Okay, I'd like to beat myself up now, please. Go right ahead when you're comfortable. I am so stupid. I can't believe how stupid I am. What an idiot. I left all my holiday shipping until the last minute again. Now it's a huge hassle. Why do I have to do this to myself every year? When, oh, when will I learn? You beat yourself up very well, sir. Thanks. But maybe you should just log on to SmartShip.com. SmartShip.com? Right. Type in your zip code, and SmartShip.com tells you the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to do your holiday shipping, even at the last minute. Wow. SmartShip.com? Mm-hmm. Why didn't I think of that? Well... Why do I have to have somebody else tell me what to do? Oh, sir... When, oh, when will I ever have an original thought? You're really good at this, sir. I've been told it's a gift. SmartShip.com. The way smart shipping is done. Enrique Santos for Taco Bell. The toasted cheddar chalupa from Taco Bell is back, and I know what you're thinking, because I'm thinking the same thing. Did they really toast six-month-old aged cheddar right onto a delicious flaky chalupa shell again? Yes, they did, but now it's even tastier. It comes with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink, all in a $5 box. That's right, all that for just a little cheddar. But don't forget, it's back for a limited time. The $5 toasted cheddar chalupa box, only at Taco Bell. Election cycles come and go. White House reporters come and go. The truth is a diamond because it's forever. TNN, the Truth News Network. Your jeweler today is Dan Newman. It always happens in every new administration. A bunch of appointments are made to um, cabinet positions, to head various agencies, to be in management, senior management at various agencies. Thousands of people have to be appointed and confirmed by the Senate. The Biden administration has had some difficulty getting their people confirmed in the Senate just simply because we are living in an environment that's very caustic politically. And um, the differences between the two conservatives and what they call progressives, which it's really a liberal, um, are vast. And the differences are even greater than ever before in my lifetime. I can't remember there being so much differences there. All that being said, a lot of hearings going on in the Senate, and they are in the Senate, the various committees that are over that, which means a lot of testimony, a lot of Q&A, a lot of questions and answering. And, and so we were talking when we went to break about, in part, some of the illegal illegal immigrant problems at our southern border, and the problems come because they're problems for American people. And Lindsey Graham, senator from South Carolina, um, he is the minority leader in this one committee, and yesterday we're having a conversation, a back and forth, with one of Biden's people in his cabinet at an assistant level. And the conversation got into border security. Listen to Senator Lindsey Graham as he asked the questions and listen to the answer he gets. 
You understand that if you give legal status to one person without first securing Senator, the border, you're going to have a run on the border ten times worse. No, than I don't you believe so. You Senator. don't believe that. No, I, and the reason I don't is because I think the primary. I, I, I just think that's ludicrous. I think I've been involved in every immigration bill there has been, and we always secured the border first because of this very reason. You don't give amnesty and hope people won't keep coming. You secure the border, then you provide legal status. We're doing it as backwards. And Mr. Chairman, you know, we've had our differences. I like you a lot. We've had two committee hearings about legalizing people. We haven't had one hearing yet about the status of the border. And if you don't believe legalization through DACA or ag workers will create a run on the border, you're not listening to the people at the border. When I was chairman, you asked me, your committee did, the Democrats asked me to have hearings about the status of confinement, the way kids were being treated. We had three different hearings with the Department of Homeland Security acting director to come so you could ask questions about conditions of confinement and our policies on the border. I have asked for a hearing. Senator Grassley's asked for a hearing. There's no way in hell we can legalize anybody until we first understand the effect it would have on the border and whether or not it would incentivize further illegal immigration. And Mr. Secretary, you're a fine man. I think you're very good at your job. But if you can't figure out that legalization without first securing the border doesn't create a problem, then you really don't understand this issue. And Mr. Chairman, when you asked me to do things that some of my people didn't want to do, we did it. We had hearings. It is now time for this oversight committee to have a hearing about what the hell happened at our border. In December 2020, we had the lowest crossings, illegal crossings, in 45 years. Now, six months later, we have an explosion of illegal immigration. No end in sight because of policy changes by the Biden administration, I believe. But it's imperative that this committee do oversight over a broken border to try to figure out what the hell happened in the last six months. And if we did some of the things being suggested by the secretary and by other people about legalizing any population, what effect would it have on illegal immigration? My belief is it would lead to an explosion of illegal immigration. And I'll ask you again, tell me why. If we legalized hundreds of thousands of workers, which I'm willing to do, without first securing the border, you don't believe it would create further border security problems. Explain that to me. Do you want an explanation? Yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, I think the primary reason why people are crossing the border, Senator, is because they've got a very difficult ex experience economically back home. So first and foremost, if you're truly interested in securing well, the border, I'll Senator, stop you right there. What happened Senator, in the last you, you six asked months? Me, you asked me to respond, well, 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 and I'm, 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 I'm going to respond. Yes, okay, good. Respond. Go ahead and finish, and I'll follow up. Fair enough. Uh, if you're truly serious about that piece of it, then I think we have to take a look at how we can help make, create better opportunities south of our border. So you don't believe catch and release has had an effect on the surge in uh, legal you, immigration? You, you ask a question about the agriculture workforce. But, but you've given answers about immigration. Well, uh, no, I'm, a, I'm asking. I'm no, here to no, talk. No, you answered that the key is to give more money to the triangle that, countries. That, that, no, is that the, the key? The, the key is helping them build their own economy. We've so, been for example, trying to do that for, well, for I, years. I don't, know, I don't know how well we've been trying to do it. But I will Let tell you this. You, some, you don't believe the change in policy has affected a wave of illegal immigration. You don't believe eliminating remaining in Mexico has affected a surge of people seeking asylum claims. 
It's a complicated issue. No, it's not. Yes, it's not it is. Complicated Senator. At all. Now, it's Senator, let, you know it's complicated. Well, you know it's complicated. You're making no, it's not. It's really oh, sure simple. It yeah, no, it's not. So, simple. so it's let not me simple. just say this. Put a fine point on it. What the hell has happened in the Triangle countries in six months, where we went from the lowest illegal crossings coming from that part of the world to the highest? The pan the pandemic and and food shortages. So that's what you believe. It's not re changing the policy of remain in Mexico, well, abolishing the idea that you have to wait in Mexico, you're not released into the country. You can't figure out that when the Trump, excuse me, the Biden administration canceled remain in Mexico, they'll let you come into the country and they release you into the country and you never show up for your hearing, that that catch and release program, have you ever talked to the Border Patrol about this? Have you ever had a discussion about the pull factors with the Border Patrol? Have you ever had one? Yes or no? Yes. When? Uh, my first stint. Uh, well, when was that? Well, I don't remember the year, sir. Okay, has it been in the last 10 years? It may have been. Has it been the last year? No. Okay. Go talk to them and you'll find out how wrong you are if you talk to them. Well, what you, what you just heard was an example of the demonstration of just shut up and listen to us. We say it. That means that's the way it is. That's what we get from the left. And I'm not just talking about Democrats. There are people further left in Congress and other parts of our government that are even further left than the Democrats and the Democrat Party are. When it comes to policy, it's, it's, uh, it's become a normalized thing in our government to just come up with an idea and paint a picture of it. And somehow, even if you don't think it's realistic, if you don't think it works, you find a way to make it okay, and then you just espouse that, whether it's true or not, you, because you believe it, then it becomes truth. This is not the first time in world history, not the first time in American history this kind of thing has happened. It happens every day. And because we have so many people now in leadership, so many people that are in front of television cameras and microphones that have the ability to do what I'm doing right here today, talking to people who are interested. And when they give ideas and paint that these ideas are the truth, even when they may not be, or it may not be confirmed that they're the truth, and people feel that they must believe these people because of who they are or who they say they are, you just heard a lifelong bureaucrat testifying before a Senate committee. And you heard him make some of the most outlandish statements regarding illegal immigration. Come on now, folks. The Triangle countries, the Northern Triangle countries, El Salvador, Honduras, Dominican, Re not Dominican Republic, what is it? It's Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala. Okay and then Mexico. The economic conditions there haven't changed in the last decade. People there have always struggled. There is very little middle class in any of those countries economically. People there are wealthy or they're dirt poor. And you heard a bureaucrat, a diplomat in the Biden administration testify that we need to fix that. Now what is really being said? You know what's being said. What we've got to do is we've got to get them obligated to us, and how do we do that? We give them money. 
And of course, we all know that money thrown at bad political structure doesn't fix the political structure. Partly, they're bad, and maybe even mostly they're bad because people in leadership politically, they take whatever resources they can grab and they personally take it out of circulation, make it theirs, and the people don't get the benefits of it. And we give away tens of billions of dollars, not just there, but to countries around the world. If we sat here today and listed the dollars every year that we give to other countries, it would blow your mind. We give money to China. China of all countries, we give them foreign aid. We give foreign aid to Russia. Nobody wants to talk about it. Why do we do that? That's a great question. Story for another day. I can't answer it. we got to get somebody on here that can explain it better than I could. You can't buy the things that this administration feels like we can buy. It's impossible. And so what they're doing is they're peddling influence and obligation. It's almost as if these illegals that they're opening the door at the southern border and saying, come on in. They're basically saying, now, remember this, as we told you when we opened this show, second thing we talked about, the Biden administration, they're bringing people that were deported for breaking laws before, they're bringing them back in, and when they get here, they're so poor, they can't support themselves, so the taxpayers, we end up supporting them. What comes with that? What do we as Americans, what does our nation get out of that? Well, if you look at the equity or the equality thing and you put the balance of justice scales up, believe me, the people that are coming are getting far more than we'll ever get out of it as American citizens. So why do we keep doing that? I can only come up with one reason, and it's a hypothesis. It's not a fact. It's a theory or whatever you want to call it. It's the Democrat Party in its membership for decades has been declining. They've been losing supporters. And rather than look at it objectively and find out why that's happening, bring people in and talk to them. Rather than do that, they find ways to change things, not things that they're doing, policies that they promote, things that they don't really believe that don't align with the American people. They want to hang on to them. How do you do that? Well, you bring people in. You bring people to the country that maybe weren't there before, um, but you bring them in and you make them obligated to you. How do you do that? You tell them you're going to support them. You give them jobs, health care, take care of their education, take care of their needs, housing, etc. But you make it sure that they understand they're obligated to you, which means later when they get them eligible to vote, which that's on the bullseye for the Democrat Party, of course, they're going to be required through obligation to vote Democrats. That's how you build the Democrat Party. My theory there. Let's move on. We have many more areas of importance that we want to get to. Remember, again, Biden was um, in a town hall meeting in Cincinnati, I believe it was, last night. And anytime this president finds himself on a stage with a microphone and a television camera, and there's no way for him and his people to get things to say 
and things not to say. You know that teleprompter thing? Joe gets in trouble every time. And that's kind of sad because he's been known forever being a great spokesman. He could give a fiery speech. He's made a lot of speeches when he was in Congress. Was head of the Senate Judiciary Committee where they held the confirmation hearings for every federal judge, including Supreme Court justices. And so to watch his obvious cognitive decline and see it play out in a national stage pretty much every day, it's sad, but it is what it is. It's real. And so he says some things that obviously it seems when he does say them, he's not saying them because he believes them. He's saying it because his handlers, whoever is behind the scenes pushing the buttons, is telling him, hey, here's what we believe. So let's segue over to COVID-19 and this president. So as of late, reported rises in COVID infections have been dramatic across all 50 of our states. The CDC estimates that that new variant, Delta variant, makes up about 83% of these new cases. So President Biden is frustrated by the unwillingness of a bunch of Americans to accept the vaccines. And here's what he said. He said, it's not a pandemic within the vaccinated community. And this is a quote. This is from last night, CNN Town Hall, quote, We have a pandemic for those who haven't gotten the vaccination. It's that basic, that simple, he said. So, factually, the country has been seeing slow progress in getting more Americans vaccinated. And that prompted Biden, I guess two weeks ago now, he was again in the public forum and he talked about thinking about doing a door-to-door calling on American citizens knocking on doors to ask them if they want to be vaccinated and to educate them. Well, this administration has attributed the resistance to vaccines. They're blaming it all, that resistance, on online misinformation. And this just toasted me when this came out over the weekend, and it's been promoted all week long. It came out that the Biden administration, they admitted Jen Psaki, White House press secretary from the podium in a briefing, I think it was last Friday. She admitted and was kind of proud to say, we're working with Facebook and we're working with Facebook censors and we're pointing out to them the posts that are made by people online that are full of misinformation about COVID-19 and the vaccinations And that's why Americans are slowing down their willingness to be vaccinated. And what that slowdown is doing, it's infecting more and more people and more and more people are dying. And it's because of the misinformation. This kind of stuff happens all the time in other nations around the world. It never happens in the United States. It's an attack on the First Amendment, freedom of speech. I can remember in my lifetime hearing stories about it happening in China, happening in Indonesia, happening in Russia, and even in our history, happening in Germany. The government determines what's best, what's real, 
what's bad, what needs to be heard, and what needs to be shut down. In Germany, when there was no internet, there was no television, there was radio, but very little radio, it was newspapers. Adolf Hitler worked his way up through the military to power in the late 30s. He was actually there a whole decade before World War II, working his way up into power. The first thing he did when he got power was he took on the media, and here's how he did it. He went to every newspaper in the country, he or his henchmen, and they gave them things that they were to report. And they gave them things that they weren't to report. And if they complied, they were left alone. But if they didn't, Hitler would shut them down. Sometimes would imprison the people at the newspapers that wouldn't follow his instructions. That sounds eerily similar to what the president is talking about right now and Jen Psaki is promoting. And he's doubled down and tripled down on it all week long. Jen Psaki even made the statement that the vast majority of the social media disinformation on vaccines is being propagated by six individuals. Now, what does that tell you? It tells you that they are monitoring the First Amendment right being executed by at least six people. So nobody wants bad stuff to be spread around, especially when it comes to something as egregious as a pandemic, as a disease. And folks, there are far too many things about COVID-19 that we don't know. They act like and they talk like we know everything. But every few days, the facts of COVID-19 change. And we're not getting the truth about these statistics and actual facts from our mainstream media. We're not getting the truth from the administration. We here at Truth News Network every week, we bring you the latest statistical information that in large part come from the Centers for Disease Control. And they're published, but the mainstream media don't pick it up and don't do it. We go straight to their website and bring you numbers every week. Did you know that last week, Throughout the United States, when they total all of the reported deaths at the hands of COVID-19, most of them, they say, from the Delta variant infections. More people died last week from COVID-19. People that had already been vaccinated than deaths of people that were unvaccinated last week. Americans are getting that. Americans understand that. Americans don't understand why we're still being told you're going to die if you don't get the COVID-19 vaccination. Now, does that mean we shouldn't get vaccinated? Does it mean it's not okay any longer? Does it mean we're going to die? It doesn't mean any of that, folks. What it means is we don't have all the facts. And they need to stop telling us this is absolute when their experts change the opinions and the facts themselves almost daily. And it begins at the top, Dr. Anthony Fauci. So here's the president of the United States, and he's now saying and intimating, he didn't come out and say it, he hadn't said it yet. But we feel strongly here that we are headed towards an environment that will include an attempt to force vaccinations on the American people. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, it's a violation of all kinds of federal law. HIPAA, the Health Insurance Patient Portability Act, that was part of the 1986 balanced budget bill that was passed, and HIPAA changed health care in that your medical records, everything about your body, everything you do, you choose between you and your physician, it stays between you and your physician, and nobody else that you do not give written permission to see is legally able to see it. So you put what they're talking about doing, mandatory vaccinations, in the context of the HIPAA law, it does not pass muster. It's happening in other places around the world. Now, there are private organizations here, companies, that are requiring employees as a condition of their employment to get a COVID vaccination. We're going to see those. There are a few that have already begun to be tested in court, but we're going to see that happen on a large scale. We're nowhere near the end of the resolution of should you or should you not get a vaccination and should or could the government make you get such a vaccination. Wow. So something else the president has weighed in on. He, of course, as you know, just simply because he's been in D.C. for his entire adult life, He's been a U.S. senator. He knows everything about government. He knows everything about finance. He knows everything's about dollars and cents. And the economy, he's an expert. You're going to hear from him next. He's going to tell you exactly what's going on and all of the craziness, the concern of a lot of economists and those bad Republicans about spending all this money and its impact on inflation. That's next at TNN Live. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of craftsmen. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate, so you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&M's dark chocolate candies, available wherever fine candies are sold. Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives, and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
get away from um, coronavirus and this administration and the president. Uh, a couple of things of note I want to touch on just briefly, and then we're going to get to the economy and the president and some of the stuff he's been saying. And this one is about infections, COVID-19 infections, specifically in the White House. Biden campaign, if you'll remember, on promises to follow the science. And during the campaign last year, he called Donald Trump an absolute fool. His words, absolute fool, for not wearing a mask during one outdoor event on Memorial Day last year. So when Trump got coronavirus in September, Biden said this, quote, Quite frankly, I wasn't surprised. Anybody who contracts the virus by essentially saying masks don't matter, social distancing doesn't matter, I think is responsible for what happens to them. And Trump was among the first to encourage people to cover their faces in March of 2020, though he rarely was seen wearing a mask himself. So Biden's criticism was amplified, of course, by the lapdogs of the left, the establishment media. They called Trump reckless. They called him arrogant, and especially after he got the virus, along with others who had been at the White House for events and meetings. So now, six Texas Democrats, you know the story, they fled the state to block state legislation there on the ballot integrity bill being considered to be signed into law in Texas. Six of those Texas Democrats, who, by the way, every one of had received a vaccination, they've been tested positive for coronavirus. Vice President Kamala Harris, who met with the group, she was taken to Walter Reed Hospital on Saturday, and they tell us at the White House that was a routine planned event. I'm sorry, it wasn't Saturday, it was Sunday. We all know that people go to the doctor on Sunday. Well, no, they were scared. She went there and got a COVID-19 test. White House Press Secretary Saki had to admit yesterday there was an outbreak. Now, where was the outbreak? Well, the White House confirmed that they were not disclosing the numbers of coronavirus cases in the middle of the Texas Democrats testing positive after meeting with VP Harris last week. Saki said, although there were breakthrough cases that had occurred among fully vaccinated staff members, they were not disclosed to the public unless they were commissioned officers. So one outlet reported the White House official who tested positive for the virus had attended a reception for those Texas Democrats. Saki declined to characterize that visit by those Texas lawmakers as a super spreader for the coronavirus and said the White House continued to support their trip and their cause. So a little hypocrisy there coming out of the White House and uh, President Biden from campaigning. And of course now, folks, it doesn't matter what anybody says. If you're a politician, you'll say one thing is this way today and change your opinion tomorrow, and everybody gives you a free pass. After all, we look at our politicians, our leaders, and we know we trust them about as much as we we trust uh, somebody that sees a $20 bill that is not theirs, they see somebody drop it and they'll just go pick it up and walk off. That's a shame that our leadership has that type of uh, status in the minds of millions of Americans. It really is. And speaking of some uh, negative opinions of each other, what about Rand Paul and 
Dr. Fauci. You know, the other day, we yesterday, we played you uh, the back and forth between Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky and Anthony Fauci the day before in a Senate hearing on COVID-19. Rand Paul announced after that hearing that he has referred Dr. Fauci to the Department of Justice for a criminal investigation after Fauci allegedly lied to Congress. Now, this sounds like a really big deal. And folks, in the context of what it really is, it is a big deal. But it's not a big deal when the Democrat Party is in power because they control the government and they're not going to allow any of their own to be taken and held accountable for something they've done like this. Look at what happened to the previous um, FBI director, James Comey. He lied in several factual informations before Congress, which by federal law is a felony. He was never prosecuted for it. He broke classified documentation, classified information laws, which are felonies. They didn't hold him accountable. So Fauci's not going to be held accountable, even though it has been verified he lied about the National Institutes of Health funding the Wuhan Virology Laboratory for gain-of-function research, which is taking viruses out of animals in nature that don't cross over to Americans or any humans, and then finding ways to increase the infectious ability of these viruses so they would be strong enough and would be infectious enough to cross over to Americans. The reasoning they give us is they know that inevitably they're going to end up infecting Americans and other humans, and so they just want to be able to create a uh, defense against it or a vaccine against it. That's their justification. Well, it's long been suspected that it was being done. It was being gain-of-function turned into a bioweapon in that lab, and so funding was expressly prohibited. So in a previous Senate hearing, Rand Paul asked Dr. Fauci about the NIH actually funding gain-of-function research, and Fauci adamantly said that did not happen. He did not do that. And it was proven through documentation, through letters, correspondence, that that actually was what happened. And now Rand Paul is referring Fauci to be criminally investigated by the Department of Justice for lying to Congress. Don't hold your breath. (laughs) I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just cynic. I'm a cynic, and I think that uh, that's just not going to happen. So let's get to the president and his economic prowess that he's put out there for us to understand so we know better about our economy. As you know, starting immediately the day Joe Biden was uh, was uh, took his oath of office, sworn into office as president January the 20th, prices in a lot of different areas of our economy just begin to take off. The day that he was elected, November 3rd, in my town in North Louisiana, I paid $1.65 a gallon for gas. Yesterday, I paid $2.63 for the same gallon of gas. Now, we can talk about all the things that caused that to happen. 
I mean, the excuses are the price of oil goes up and down, price of gasoline goes up and down, it's seasonal, it changes every year, it changes every season, yada, yada, yada. Excuses, excuses, excuses. But on November the 3rd last year, the day of the election, this was the month after the first month in 20 years that the United States was 100% energy independent. For the first time in 20 years, we didn't import any oil from any other country. That's a huge deal. And that means we were clicking on all counts that just as the previous president had promised in his campaign, throughout his campaign, that he was going to make us energy independent by calling in all the resources to put everybody back to work in the energy sector of our economy and that we were going to stop importing energy from other countries and take care of it ourselves. Novel idea, huh? Created here so you don't have to buy it from somebody else. That means you can control prices. We had been dependent for decades on OPEC those Middle Eastern countries that they manipulated the price of oil. When they got mad at other countries, they would raise the price of oil. Didn't make any difference to them why. They just did it, and of course when they did it, they made more money. Well, the United States becomes oil independent, and that means we do our own thing. That's why I paid $1.65 a gallon to fill up my car on November 3rd. Why did I pay two sixty-five to fill it up yesterday? It began on day one of the Biden administration. He canceled the XL pipeline. Now, what that meant, it didn't have much to do directly and immediately with any specific thing about energy other than this. That pipeline connected the huge major gas troughs in central southern Canada with our Gulf Coast for the purpose of transmitting and transferring their energy products, gas and oil, to countries all around the world. Canada is a big, big nation, and it's real wide and it's real tall. Not a lot of seaports. you got to go way east or way west. So, canceling that pipeline, when Joe Biden did that, at the same time he canceled a bunch of permits allowing oil and gas wells on federally owned land, when he did that, automatically things begin to change. The availability of American U.S. produced energy products just evaporated. Nobody was doing exploration anymore. Everybody in the oil and gas industry realized things were going to change. And so guess what happened? the price of energy went through the roof. What else happened? Well, the Canadians have all this carbon energy up there. What are they going to do with it? They're not going to sit on it. They're not going to eat it. They're going to get it to places where they can sell it. So they're obviously going to move it by freight, by train primarily, by trucks. They're going to move it to the West Coast. Now, why would they move it to the West Coast? Who's the biggest carbon energy user on planet Earth, China. So somewhere uh, around um, the Canadian-U.S. border, somewhere over there, 
there are a bunch of infrastructure built there to put gas and oil on ships. It costs a whole lot more to move it across to Canada, which means China's going to pay a little bigger price. But it also means it's not going to come through the United States where it could be transported safer and cheaper to be distributed from the Gulf Coast. And so what else does that mean? Well, Biden's premise for canceling that pipeline was because it was going to be and was being an environmental polluter for the central part of the Midwest. And the environmentalists were all over fighting it. Cancel, cancel, cancel. Well, guess how many breaches and environmental disasters happen in gas pipelines in American history? They happen every once in a while. But less than 10% as much as environmental disasters happen moving oil and gas by train or by truck. And so that is what's happening now. It just makes absolutely no sense. But what else happened? This president cut a deal with Donald Trump's buddy, you know, the one that for three years we were told Donald Trump colluded with Russia. Biden cut a deal with Vladimir Putin. And guess what? The month of May, we bought six million barrels of oil from Russia. In June, we bought seven million barrels of oil from Russia. And the projections for July, which we'll find out in a couple of weeks, is 8 million barrels. So not only are you paying a dollar more at the pump for your gasoline today, you're putting money in Vladimir Putin's pocket. Thanks to Uncle Joe. So into Uncle Joe talking about our economy. At this uh, town hall last night in Cincinnati, he weighed in on it. And um, he weighed in on about inflation. He was asked about all these big spending programs and the fact that we've seen inflation go nuts the last few months because of all the money that's being spent by our government. That's what the economists say. That's not me. And so Chuck Schumer, Senator Chuck Schumer, majority leader in the Senate, longtime senator along with uh, Joe Biden, for all those years they served in the Senate together. Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden agree with this. If you want to stop inflation, they've got the answer on how to do it. And it's not to stop spending. I seem pretty confident that, that inflation is temporary, but if you're pumping all of this money into the economy, couldn't that add to... No, the, the, look, here's the deal. Moody's today, when our Wall Street firm, not some liberal think tank, said if we pass the other two things I'm trying to get done, we will in fact reduce inflation, reduce inflation, reduce inflation, because they're going to be providing good opportunities and jobs for people who in fact are going to be reinvesting that money back in all the things we're talking about, driving down prices, not raising prices. And so it, it is, I, 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 I sincerely mean this, prices are up now, and they're up in, for example, you're in a position where you're trying to build a house, try to find two-by-fours and lumber. Well, guess what? People stop working cutting lumber. 
They stopped doing it because they, their, their, their unemployment was so down. Now all of a sudden there's this need because people are coming back. And guess what? Instead of paying 10 cents, you're paying 20. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It relates to what, in fact, is now needed because we're growing. There is very little factual truth in anything he said, and history bears it out. Do you remember when Jimmy Carter was president for four years, 1976 to 1980? He actually was elected the day our second daughter was born, November 2nd, 1976. I'll never forget the date for two reasons. (laughs) Jimmy Carter was elected and Corey was born. All that being said, inflation soared to heights that we had never seen before. Why was that? Big government spending, big, big, big social programs, bigger than ever before in history. That was one reason, and the other was the economy slowed down, and it was kind of like a daisy chain. You spend a lot of money, you put more money in circulation. Dollars are literally worth less than they were. It's the old thing about supply and demand. When you have a whole bunch of something, it's worth less to people because they can get it so easily. So what is this theory that Joe is talking about? There's no time in American history ever where big government spending ever helped the nation's economy. It's always been 180 degrees different. And he said, we're going to, we put this money out there, we're going to hire people. More people are going to go to work. And the money that we give them, the money that we put out into the economy People are going to use, and that's going to drive prices down. It won't, folks. It won't. People don't make money. The government giving people money is not people making money. The exact opposite of that is true, and we saw it play out in the previous administration. How did that happen? What you do is you give people incentives. It's called the free market system. It's called capitalism. You give entrepreneurs, you give corporations, you give them incentives to grow their businesses. You cut their taxes. Guess what happened? Exactly 180 degrees from what Biden just said. When you reduce the government intrusion into people's lives economically, people are confident They're going to excel on their own. They're going to chase their dreams. Entrepreneurs are going to come up with new and bigger and better ideas. They're going to pull money out of their pockets. They're going to borrow money, but they're going to put money in play. And doing that, it's an across-the-board financial boon for everybody that's involved. If you're going to grow your company, what do you do? You have to build something. You have to expand You have to expand your reach. You have to come up with some new widget to sell. As it grows, that means you're going to have more people working for you, which means you're going to have to go find better people to work for you, which means you're going to be paying more money to your employees who are spending money in the economy. And it's not a zero-sum gain, folks. There's not like one set amount of dollars in the world. And if you're going to increase your income, you got to go take it from somebody else. It doesn't work that way. Donald Trump proved that. He brought companies back from overseas that had fled because of big and bigger government here. The eight years under Barack Obama and Joe Biden economically 
It was horrible for our nation because they dumbed down in the minds of many Americans. In fact, Barack Obama famously said himself, corporations here that manufacture, that build, and that grow, those are things of the past. That'll never come back to the United States. You just need to learn to deal with it. So it was okay to outsource everything to China. It was okay to outsource a bunch of stuff to Malaysia and India. So why is that? Why was that all of a sudden okay? It was this slide towards getting us more dependent on big government. And that meant if we turn to the government, we don't look to ourselves to improve our own circumstances, to find better ways to do things better and make and create more opportunities for us, people who work for us, our family members. And it's a whole psychological process that goes into creating the free market and maintaining the free market system of entrepreneurship and a will to build and grow and make things better. I don't know where or who Joe Biden got this from, that big government spending was going to tackle and do away with inflation. When he's sitting on top of an environment right now today that proves exactly the opposite. His big government spending, I mean, we've already put three or four trillion dollars out there, the government has, borrowed money, flooded it into the marketplace, and things haven't gotten better. You heard the unemployment reports that we gave just at the beginning of the show. Unemployment keeps climbing. It keeps climbing. That's not putting people back to work. It doesn't work that way. And yet they double and triple down on stupid. Let's move on. What else is happening in our world? I'm sure you heard about that January 6th committee that uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi put together. They're going to get to the bottom of it. They're going to figure out everybody that was involved in that thing. Of course, it all goes back to the feet of the former president. He's the one that told his people to storm the Capitol. And they had us believing for months that multiple people were killed that day. When we found out factually, finally, one person was killed, Ashley Babbitt. And she wasn't shot by a protester or a terrorist or a rioter. She was shot in the back of the neck by a Capitol policeman. A white woman, by the way, shot and killed by an African-American cop, and they won't even put out the name of the cop that did it. And by the way, the coroner ruled it a homicide. Wow. Pelosi's got her deal. She's put her committee together, and, and she, um, she allowed the uh, minority leader in the House of Representatives to pick his people. I think it was six. Yes, it was six that uh, he got to appoint to serve on this committee. And yesterday, Pelosi said, we're not going to accept two of them. You can't have representatives Jim Jordan of Ohio or Jim Banks of Indiana. You can't be on the committee. No, no reasoning, no justification. And of course, in congressional history, I'm told that's never happened before. When the minority side of any committee, when it's put together, they get to appoint whoever they want to put on it. And the majority side, the Speaker of the House, has no 
authority to even say, ah, you can't do that. Basically what they're saying and what Pelosi's saying is we're not going to let anybody that we don't want on the committee serve on the committee. So they pulled out. There will be no Republicans on that committee. To be honest with you, we don't even need the committee. Here's the, the, the stupidness in this. It is absolutely incredible. There is no need to even try to put a committee together. They do not have the resources, the manpower, nor the expertise to do real investigations. This is trying to once again pin something on Donald Trump to make him liable for something that he didn't do. He didn't make anybody do anything that day. He didn't incite any of it. In fact, warned people not to do what happened. But that's beside the point. Minority Leader McCarthy, he went nuts. Oh my gosh, he went crazy. And he he understood why Pelosi doesn't want Jim Jordan and Congressman Banks on that committee because both of them are deep into the political process. They are both very conservative. And they here's what they were going to do. They were going to ask and make this committee find the answers for this question. Why did House Speaker Pelosi, why did the Democrat Party, when they were notified three weeks before the January 6th event by the FBI that there were probably going to be disturbances and some may even become nasty. It was going to go beyond protest and demonstrations. It was probably, or it had, based upon the information that they got, it was probably going to be rioting. Nancy Pelosi, whoever the Speaker of the House is, controls what the Capitol Police do and what they don't do. And normal procedure would have been to call in the leadership of the Capitol Police they would make a determination jointly with the leaders of the other party, the Republican Party, and they would reach out on the the um, information given by the FBI to bring in the National Guard. Pelosi wouldn't let that happen. She wouldn't even bring in the Capitol Police. And the FBI warned them again and even warned them the day before. And they did nothing. Big question. Why did you not take action? And Jim Jordan has made it very clear. That's one thing he was going to make sure on the committee that they did. She can't have that. So it's a power thing in Washington. Some things don't change. Nancy Pelosi hasn't changed and she's not going to change. She is the power broker. Something else that came out in the CNN town hall. Joe Biden got on the gun control thing. So he talked about a push last night. He talked about a push, his word, to eliminate 9mm pistols that have an ammunition capacity beyond that of which the left approves. He said this, the idea you need a weapon that can have the ability to fire 20, 30, 40, 50, 120 shots from that weapon, whether it's a 9mm pistol or whether it's a rifle, is ridiculous. I'm continuing, he said, to push to eliminate the sale of those things. So up until now, Biden has been on this assault weapons ban thing. He orchestrated one before that didn't work, even though he claims that it did. 
He's pushed to ban legislation and moved executively to have the Department of Justice and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, the ATF, to take action against AR-style pistols with stabilizer braces. He has no clue what he's talking about. He conflates the two, a rifle, an automatic rifle, and a handgun with a machine gun. And he doesn't even understand the difference between a rifle and a shotgun. Nevertheless, he's been told we've got to ban guns. We've got to do it. Forget about that Second Amendment thing. On June 7th, the DOJ moved to place certain AR pistols under their purview. But those AR pistols are chambered in 5.56 or 2.23, not 9mm. So it's kind of curious why Biden would bring up 9mm. His mention of going after those pistols, 9mm, opens the door to regulating the wildly popular Glock, Heckler & Koch, Smith & Wesson, Sig Sauer, Carr, Taurus, and Springfield Armory pistols, among many others. There's no way to know how many of those guns are in existence bought legally throughout the United States, but realistic and conservative estimates say there are more than 100 million of them, maybe even more than that. Notwithstanding any of this would ever pass muster with the U.S. Supreme Court, where any type of gun restrictions that happen is certainly going to head. And you know what the idiocy of this all is? Joe Biden and Democrats for decades have been telling us that guns are bad. Guns kill people. That's a great talking point, but it's factually incorrect. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. People pick up guns and use them. And in the case of most murders, especially premeditated and murders committed at the moment in anger, if they don't have a gun, access to a gun, they're going to use something else. A knife, uh, bludgeon somebody to death, they're going to find some way to carry out their, their evil. That's just the way human nature is. But the biggest thing, and we go back to what we began the show with today, the rule of law, the biggest thing is this administration the previous administration, at least in part the Department of Justice, which included the FBI, and of course the eight years of Obama and Biden before that, the rule of law was secondary at best in their consideration of what needed to happen in the area of stopping the violence, much of which is initiated with the use of guns. And we look at the major cities around the nation, like New York City, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Baltimore, Chicago, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Seattle, Minneapolis. It's hard to believe, but Minneapolis is now an epicenter for gun violence. Why is all of that? It's because every one of those cities, in part, is governed by Democrats who have the same left-leaning law enforcement philosophies. And they have the same angst for the police that Black Lives Matter has pushed into the forefront of defunding the police and police are automatically bad. That's a story for another day. Nevertheless, this government, top to bottom, they have basically given up on taking gun violators 
and prosecuting them to the fullest extent of the law. And so they've taken as a talking point that guns themselves are evil. When they refuse to take the people that have guns that are using these guns to rob and kill people, they won't take them off the street. Almost all of those guns, they never give us the numbers when they make gun arrests. When there's gun violence and they arrest somebody for shooting, shooting somebody, killing somebody, they never tell us where the gun came from. You know why? Most of them are illegally owned guns. So what Biden is hammering on and what he talked about last night, doing this 9mm suppression hypothesis, that's the first time I've even heard him talk about that specifically. What he's talking about is going after the legal guns. And he started, he gave the details, he's starting at the FFL, the Federal Firearm License Dealer level. He intimated with no factual information that legal firearm sales operations are putting these guns in the hands of these illegals that are killing other Americans. No facts to back it up, but it's sure when you're on a a CNN town hall stage, it sure sounds good to talk like that. Oh my gosh, it makes Democrats feel like you really give a rip when it's exactly the opposite. Enforce the law, Joe. Have your FBI enforce the law. Enforce the law. Bring us, if you would, bring us a list of those who have actually gone out and committed gun violence. Let me just give you an example. Let me give you some facts. So CNN reported that the president responded to a question dealing with mass shooters by referencing assault weapons and claiming that people using weapons are acquiring them illegally. But consider just a few of the high-profile mass shootings that we have looked on in the last year or so. Um, The Atlanta area, area shootings, eight were killed in March of this year. Boulder, Colorado, 10 dead, March of this year. Indianapolis FedEx shooting, eight were killed, April of this year. San Jose shooting, nine were killed in May. Well, in each of those instances, the attacker acquired his gun or guns legally in every one of them. Nearly every mass shooter of recent memory got their guns legally, which means they followed the process that entails passing that background check before they can actually buy the firearms. So I'm even going to take it one step deeper. Here's a list of mass shooters who acquired their guns legally. Parkland High School in 2018. Texas church attacker, November of 2017. Las Vegas, October of 17. Alexandria attacker, June of 17. Orlando shooter, June of 16. UCLA gunman, June of 16. San Bernardino attackers, December of 2015. Illegal immigrants, incidentally. Colorado Springs, October of 2015. Allison Parker's attacker, August of 2015. Lafayette, Louisiana movie theater attack, July of 2015. Chattanooga, 
July of 2015. Alleged Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal attacker, June of 2015. Muhammad Cartoon Contest attackers, May of 2014. Las Vegas cop killings, June of 2015. And it goes on and on and on. Fort Hood, April of 2014. Arapahoe High School, December of 2013. Every one of those. More than one person was killed. It met the mass shooter definition by the federal government, and every one of those people legally own those guns. So what's the fix? Well, are you really going to go door to door, President Biden, and force your way into people's homes and find out what guns they have and take them? Are you going to do that? Do you know how many tens of millions of guns are out there that you would be going after? Why don't you do this? Novel idea. Support the rule of law. Go after, instead of the people that are good working people, good honest Americans, instead of going after them for legally executing their rights to own handguns, to own rifles, to own shotguns, instead of going after those folks, why don't you go after the illegals? Yeah, they're probably or federal firearms licensed operations out there that are selling guns under the table. There probably are. Stop them. Make sure they don't do that. But what you need to do is enforce the laws. Go after, go to Chicago where 15 people died this past weekend. Go after those shooters. Arrest the shooters. Prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law. Throw the book at them for breaking the law according to the laws that are on the books. Make them comply. Make them honor the rule of law, or if they choose to do otherwise, make them pay the price. Novel idea, huh? That's a good start. And then, by the way, stop the illegal gun sales. Much of that comes from, guess where? Our southern border. Illegals, cartels, gun running across our southern borders. Shut the freaking southern border down and stop the illegality from top to bottom. That would be a great start, and I think most Americans agree. When you can't tell the facts from fiction, you've come to the right place. DNN, the Truth News Network. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are some mates other snacks, like creamy yogurt covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and some mates new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. Cars today are computers on wheels, that's it. Uh, the fancy new tech makes our life easier in the car, but. When something breaks, can you afford to fix the touchscreen display or the sensor, which can cost thousands of dollars? Most likely, no. That's why I have CarShield, and it takes away the worry and the panic of the expensive repair that you know is coming. CarShield, their protection plans can save you thousands for covered repairs, including everything from an engine, transmission, GPS, electronics, and more. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary roadside assistance and a rental car. It's inevitable something's going to break. It happens to everybody, including me. So get coverage from America's number one 
auto protection company like I did and find out why CarShield cars go farther. Rates are as low as $99 a month, so visit CarShield.com. Use the promo code IHEART to save 10%. That's CarShield.com, promo code IHEART. Deductible may apply. Violence, screaming obscenities, heated arguments, angry crowds, roller derby? Nah. Election season. And your voice of calm is truthnewsnet.org. Do you realize we're actually going to be in another election season in just a few months? November of 2022, folks. It'll be here before you know it. Look how fast this presidency has gone by from January 20th to yesterday. It was six months already. Wow. Uh-oh, what that means is we still have three and a half years <laughs> with this administration in power. Some important stories that we want to m- mention to you before we get to the end of the show today. In Pennsylvania, if you haven't heard, top election officials there have decertified the voting system of one rural Fulton County for any future elections. And in doing so, they said an election assessment by a third party had violated the Keystone State's election code. Acting Secretary of State Veronica DeGroffin-Reed, who was an appointee of Democrat Governor Tom Wolf, informed the Fulton County Board of Elections she did not arrive at this decision lightly. So a company named Wake Technology Services is a software company based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, carried out an election assessment that involved its workers visiting Fulton County in December last year and in early February this year. The company in May released a report that concluded the election was well run and did not indicate any signs of fraud in the county election. However, five issues of note were uncovered, three of which are related to guess who? Dominion Voting System. Wow. While these may seem minor, the impact on an election can be huge. That's what the company said in their report. Well, the Pennsylvania Department of State said in a statement yesterday that Wake, their access to the Fulton County's voting system, undermined the chain of custody requirements and strict access limitations that are necessary to prevent both intentional and inadvertent tampering with electronic voting systems. So let me get this straight. This is Dominion Voting Systems. Same thing's going on in the Maricopa County, Arizona audit that's being conducted that is technically finished with the exception of one thing. The audit company wants to access the voting machines to be able to audit those machines and how they processed in the November election, how they processed handling of the votes that were cast electronically. Dominion refuses to give the state of Arizona the password so they can access. Similar thing happening in Pennsylvania. And guess what happened in Louisiana? Our state legislature just passed a deal. It was signed into law. Millions of people were hoping that the governor of the state would veto the law, but he doesn't. But it means... The state of Louisiana's election system is going to go to Dominion Voting Systems, which is not a good thing. You can't make this stuff up, folks. Another big thing came out overnight. It has to do with the FBI, and it has to do with the state of Michigan. 
You remember that controversy about Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan? There were people out to get her. So the FBI yesterday was thrown into controversy following an explosive report published by BuzzFeed, and it suggested that that plot to kidnap her may have never happened if it wasn't for the actions that FBI informants and some of their undercover agents had taken in spurring suspects into action in what many are saying was entrapment. Apparently, the FBI relied on one Iraq war veteran to provide some information to the Bureau about the actions of a group that were called Wolverine Watchmen. The informant, his name was Dan, and that's not really his name. They just put that out there for the story. He allegedly became alarmed by some messages that he saw being shared among members in a group, and after talking to a police buddy of his, was put in touch with the FBI. Dan wore a wire, they say, for about six months, collecting hundreds of hours of evidence against some of the members of this group. Now, Dan was paid about $55,000 for his work over that six-month period. It was a big deal. It's a lot of money for somebody in that part of Michigan. The FBI also used at least a dozen informants, including some from other states, and also deployed undercover agents to assist in the process of setting the traps for the suspect. This is just really strange stuff, folks. And I wouldn't even be bringing it to you, but it is so strange. There's really no explanation as to why. I won't go any deeper into the details, but thankfully nothing happened. As much as uh, the negativity is so big and wide and rampant about Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer and some of the things she's done, it's almost totalitarian what she did to her state during the pandemic and the lockdowns. Nevertheless, thankfully, she wasn't caught up in the middle of it. But in the midst of all of that, Yesterday, the Michigan House of Representatives, they voted in favor of repealing the Emergency Powers Act that she used to implement those amazingly strict COVID-19 restrictions on her state. And the vote follows the approval of the repeal by the state Senate last week, and that means that that law from 1945 is now done. It's toast. It's gone. State Representative Rachel Hood, who's a Democrat, who was against the measure, said this, I believe we need to improve the act, not abandon it. In an emergency, executive power allows us to be more agile and responsive to rapidly emerging needs. A Republican state representative, Phil Green, who supported the repeal, he said, you better believe I voted yes. I circulated a petition for it. Our system is designed to have checks and balances. This law erroneously gave to the executive powers that belong to the legislation, the legislature. Kind of like what happened when all of these election officials in these five big-time states, very important states, arbitrarily went against the Constitution, which gives the sole power of the management of elections in all states specifically to the state lawmaking bodies, not governors, not secretaries of state. Folks, that's a wrap on the show today. As always, I want to say a special heartfelt thank you 
for your participation, for your coming along with us on this journey, being here every day, reading our stories, contributing with your thoughts. And I want to say this, have a great day. Remember, we're here every day, Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. Central at TNN Live. See you tomorrow. And why?